field, to the film room, to the war room. We've got you covered every step of the way as the road to the draft starts right now on BGN Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the BGN Draft Show. Today, we are breaking down our top 10 defensive backs in the 2023 NFL Draft. Maybe not as big a position of need as it was earlier today as the Eagles re-signed James Bradbury today. Pi Day, March 14th. I can't believe I made a Pi Day reference on this podcast, but here we go. So we're going to dive in. We're going to break down these corner prospects, maybe a few honorable mentions at the end. I'm joined, as always, uh, by Dibes. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Mr. Crockpot. Be sure you check out uh, his podcast, Party on Broad. Dibes, how are you feeling tonight? Feeling good, man. Thanks for having me on. Guys, buckle up, because this is arguably the Best position in the 2023 NFL draft. And I've got 10 doozies. I can't wait to break it down. All right. Awesome. And I'm also joined by my co-host from Chalk Talk. You can also check him out on the Tough Cover radio show. It is Mark Henry Jr. Give him a follow on Twitter at Mark Henry Jr. underscore. Mark, how are you feeling tonight? I'm doing well. Like you said, this is definitely a position that about Three hours ago, I, I thought was going to be very much in the running for what they were going to get, what the Eagles were going to look for at number 10. Still, still could be, depending on how a couple other things play out. But like I've said, definitely not uh, quite as dire of a need uh, as it was just a bit ago. All right. So let's dive in. We've got, there's sort of three guys that are near the top of this, and we actually all have different number ones. So we're going to spend a lot of time on our number ones, which actually fills out pretty much our one through threes. And then we start to diverge a little bit. So we will kick off here. Uh, my number one is Christian Gonzalez. Uh, Mark has Joey Porter Jr. as number one and Dibes has Devon Witherspoon. So uh, I'm going to kick us off with Christian Gonzalez and we'll circle back to everybody else. So uh, Christian Gonzalez, cornerback out of Oregon. He was a four-star recruit who started his career at Colorado before transferring to Oregon for 2022, and he earned uh, first-team All-Pac-12 honors. He is 6'1", 197 pounds. That's 89th percentile for height for the cornerback position. He's going to be just under 21 years old on draft night, and then he ran a 4.3840 at the Combine with a 41.5-inch vertical jump. That is a 9.96 relative athletic score. So up there, elite athleticism, 95th percentile broad jump, 96th percentile vertical leap. He's got all the athleticism that you could ever want. He had 51 tackles in 2022 to go along with four interceptions and seven passes defensed. What I really like about Gonzalez is he, he's Physical at the line of scrimmage, uh, he likes to play press man coverage and get up and get on receivers, disrupt that timing. And then I think he's really good at mirroring routes and staying on receivers' hips once he's through that initial phase of the press. But he's not just a press man guy. He, he plays zone well, too. I think he does a really good job in zone coverage of uh, staying keyed on the quarterback, reading his eyes while maintaining awareness of the receivers in his area. And he can click and close downhill in a flash. And so he's really got it all there. He's got top end speed. We talked about the 40 time. Uh, he was clocked at 23.3 miles per hour on the GPS in 2021. Uh, I think at the catch point, he does a really good job of raking at the arms of receivers. I would like to see him attack the ball more. I don't 
four, you know, four interceptions, seven pass breakups. I still don't think he attacks the ball a lot. He chooses to attack the arms more. Uh, and he's a really good tackler. He only missed about 6% of his tackle attempts in 2022. So there's a lot to like about his game. Uh, there's some weaknesses, though. I feel like he's aggressive, and that makes him prone to double moves. And so uh, he can get burned from time to time. And I, I joked to Dibes and Mark that I was writing this on nearly every corner's uh, profile, but they're kind of great. He's kind of grabby throughout the route. And that's something I remember a couple years ago being really concerned about with J.C. Horn. That I, I was really out on J.C. Horn because he was so physical, but he was so grabby, and he was able to rein that in. So I'm going to mention that for a lot of these guys. I'm not going to stay too concerned about it, though. And then he took 139 snaps from the slot this year. I didn't think he's good as good there. He's pretty much an outside corner. There's not a lot of versatility there, but where I think he's going to go in the draft, you're not drafting a guy that high to be a slot corner anyways. So I think he's scheme diverse. You can put him in man. You can put him in zone. I think he's got top end talent. So he is my CB1. Mark, he was your CB2. Dibes, he's your CB2. Mark, I'll throw it to you first. Uh, what did you see on tape from Christian Gonzalez? What do you like or dislike about him? Yeah, I mean, he's extremely versatile. It feels like you could use him a lot of different ways, and that's always something I value, especially when it comes to DBs. Um, a phenomenal tackler, probably the best tackler uh, among this corner group, or at least this top 10 um, uh, in terms of the the top-notch guys. Um, the, the one thing I'll say is, like, you'd see four picks, and you'd think, like, oh, he's got great ball skills. I don't necessarily know if I'd say that, from watching the tape, like, and you kind of alluded to it in terms of him going to the arms instead of going to the ball. Sometimes I don't think he's got some of the best ball skills of this class and he gets beat out for contested catches a little bit more than you'd want um, in terms of your CB one. Um, but you know, in terms of his versatility, his athleticism, the fact that he does have the the base for getting some interceptions and making some plays, you know, there's at least a base there to continue on that and improve on that at the next level. I think he's a, a rock solid prospect and I have him at the exact same draft grade as my number one guy. Uh, it, there's a hair between number one, number two and number three for me. Um, and, and one of my favorite and you'll hear me Shane's the RAS guy. Now my, my thing for the rest of these shows is going to be the NFL comp guy um, because I love NFL comparisons. I know a lot of people don't like them out there. I think it does a good job of getting you an idea of what a guy could look like at the next level in terms of an athletic profile and stuff like that. And this is actually one of my favorite comps that I have in terms of, I think I have the top 80 comped out right now. I think this is one of my favorite on the board. Byron Jones, and I, I think I might have saw that somewhere else, but uh, he's an exact athletic profile match, 6'1", 197 to 6'1 and a half, 197. Like they're, they're pretty much exactly the same. I think Byron Jones' RAS is really, really good or really, really high. I know his like broad jump was one of the best of all time, Byron Jones, and I know Christian Gonzalez really excelled there as well. Um, so I, I think that that's a, that's a pretty exact comp right there and Byron Jones. All right, Dibes, uh, anything else on Christian Gonzalez? What what do you have on him? I think you guys nailed it. it. When it comes to Christian Gonzalez, it's all about his athleticism and his scheme versatility. Uh, fantastic athleticism, just elite fluid hips. You know, I think that alone gives him the, the ceiling of a true three down starting corner. Uh, struggled a bit in press coverage, I think. Um, not as high as a on his tackling ability as you are, Mark. 
Um, but I think he has all the traits you're looking for, athleticism, length, instincts, like all those three things right there uh, give him arguably the highest floor of uh, the top corners in this draft. Um, and I think just going to that versatility, I think he could fit um, like in off coverage. I think he can fit well in zone. I think he can fit well in man. There's uh, uh, there's not much he doesn't fit well in, and he's just a sure thing. Uh, he's my number two, but he's more so my 2A, or I guess my 1B uh, of this draft. All right. Well, that's your 1B. Let's talk about your 1A. Dives, you have Devon Witherspoon, the cornerback out of Illinois, at number one. Mark and I both have him at three. So we'll let you lead us off there. Yeah, this has been my guy. <laughs> and I'm not going to go off that hill, man. Uh, I've been a big fan of Witherspoon for the last few months. Uh, he's been a big riser, six foot tall, 180 pounds, excellent in coverage. He's a ball hawk, unlike kind of Christian Gonzalez. 13 passes defended in 2022. In man coverage, he's allowed only seven catches and zero touchdowns per PFF. Quarterbacks have posted a 27.3 passer rating when targeting receivers covered by Devin Witherspoon. Uh, I think the two words that define Devin Witherspoon is just quick trigger. Uh, this is just one of the best read and react defensive players in the draft. Uh, his combination of fluid hips, uh, excellent athleticism and ball skills give him a true high ceiling as a, as a, a CB1 at the next level. Uh, there are a lot of things that he needs to clean up. Uh, his footwork is inconsistent. Uh, he tends to overplay routes. Uh, he struggles to play with leverage at times. But I think a lot of that can, uh, you know, uh, get fixed at the NFL level. And, you know, where he's currently at his development, um, I think he's probably going to be best in a more of a zone-heavy scheme. Uh, that'll allow him to kind of use his elite athleticism, that read and react A to B short area speed to kind of uh, make plays on the football more so. Uh, but if he can refine his hips and footwork a little bit more, man, I think this guy's ceiling is off the freaking charts, man. I, I love Devin Witherspoon. Uh, really fun watch on tape. Uh, and he is my 1A at the position. So that's interesting that you have him pegged as a zone-heavy guy. I actually went the opposite way. I, oh, yeah. I wrote down for a scheme fit that I think he fits best with a man-heavy scheme. I didn't think he was as good in zone coverage. I thought sometimes quarterbacks were able to use his aggressiveness against him. Um but overall, I mean, you're right. He's a good player. He's very physical and not just like pressing. Like he loves to come downhill and hit, which is interesting at 181 pounds. He's 10th percentile for weight, which is my concern with him. It's why he's my three behind one and two who are very close together. I'm just, I'm a little concerned he's going to have trouble sticking on the outside uh, 18th percentile wingspan. So I love watching this guy play. Uh, my concerns with him all just come to, is he going to be able to stick outside? Because if not, I don't want to spend a top 10 pick on him. So uh, Devin Witherspoon's a very fun watch, though. Uh, Mark, what were your thoughts when you when you took a look at him? It's funny. You guys did the whole man zone thing. I have you can play both. <laughs> All I wrote down here is can play man and zone. Uh, so I, I was laughing when you guys were saying that. So I guess I, and what I was thinking when you guys were saying that is, if anything, that's a plus that you guys both came away one zone, one man. That means you can do both pretty well. Um, and I'm not as high on Witherspoon as the other guys simply because of the length and the, and the weight. Um, and it, again, I'll probably have Porter. I think I have Porter 12th overall, Gonzalez 13th overall, and Witherspoon 14th overall. 
Not much separates these guys. So I just went with the slight edge and length and weight for the other guys. And I don't have, I understand Shane's concern that he won't stick on the outside. I think he's talented enough that he will. And I think he has like such insane dog mentality um, that it's hard to doubt that guy. He like, like you guys said, he's a heat seeking missile. He, he wants to, you know, he wants to make a highlight tackle every time he's out there. He is a little grabby. Um, this one's not, I don't have a great comp for Devin Witherspoon because he's such a weird player. Um, in, in terms of having like the dog mentality thing and, and that kind of stuff, I, 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 and the size, I put Darius Slay down, but I don't, I don't love that one. Like, I don't love that comp. If you guys have a better one, maybe throw that at me in the comments or if Shane or Dives can think of a better one. Uh, these are, you know, I have some on here for DVs that I absolutely love, but that one, I, I didn't find one I loved for, for Witherspoon. All right. As I scrolled through my notes here, cause you mentioned him being grabby, my top five defensive backs I have listed as a weakness for all of them that they're grabby. <laughs> so maybe I just won't even say it anymore, but, uh, so, okay. That, that was <laughs> Devon Witherspoon. Uh, Mark, you mentioned Joey Porter jr. He is your number one. He's two for me. He's four for dives. So you lead us off and talk to us about Joey Porter jr. Yeah, Joey Porter Jr. and you'll hear me say this quite often, but he's he's got he's like a pterodactyl. He's got pterodactyl arms. He's six two and a half for a corner. That length and that size, I think, is just so important. And he had a nine six two RAS, a four four six forty, elite ten yard split. Uh, so even better in the ten yard split than he was in the forty. Four star prospect out of high school, three year starter at Penn State. Uh, PFF grades at 70, 67, and seventy three over the three years. I don't think that those accurately depict how good he was over all three of his years because even in 2020 i remember watching penn state and joey porter jumping off the screen and me going wait a second that's that's joey porter's kid like i remember this happening all the way back in the first year he was getting uh time the negative on joey porter only one pick in the last three years so you have to worry about the ball skills a, a little bit there He's really good and really patient in press coverage. He only allowed 68 yards on 106 snaps in press all season. Great leverage, great with his hands, uses his length, has really loose hips, can turn with the best of them. 40% uh, forced incompletion rate in 2022, which actually led all power five cornerbacks. Seven of those forced incompletions came against Purdue, which is the most in a single game by a power five cornerback in the PFF college era. That one comes straight from PFF. He gave up 15 catches for 143 yards on 30 or on 30 targets with zero touchdowns last year. He allowed just 3.7 yards per passing attempt as a primary defender, which was fifth. Contested 76% of the passes thrown his way, which was fourth. And like Shane said, you can, you know, it's a drinking game. You you can you can take a drink. He's a little grabby at times. <laughs> I think that you know, on tape. Uh, you could honestly say it goes past a little grabby with Joey Porter sometimes. Yeah, I, I wrote very is, grabby for him. So yeah, yeah, okay, a step yeah. Above. yeah, it is a step above. The funny thing about it, he only got three flags for it last season. So um, that's that's not a lot of flags if you look at some of these guys for those type of flags. So uh, you'd think he would have gotten more. I don't know if that's something that changes the next level. The NFL comps I had for him, if you're going on a high-level comp, I think A.J. Terrell, there is a lot of similarities in terms of the athletic profile. And then Marlon Humphrey would be another guy with, with some length at corner. Those are definitely two two comps that I like a lot for Joey Porter. Yeah, another stat. He, he contested 76% of the passes thrown his way 
uh, in 2022. He's 96th percentile for height, 98th percentile for arm length. Uh, he was 82nd percentile for his 10-yard split. One of the things I liked about him so much is he, he does a really good job pressing off of the line, and then he transitions into a trail technique where he's running underneath the receiver up the seam. And with his length, like there is such a marginal window to try to throw the ball into before a safety is there. And I thought he would, did tremendous pressing and then getting into that trail technique. Um, I don't think he's going to thrive if you ask him to play off zone or off coverage or zone, though. Like he needs to be in a press man scheme that's going to use his strengths. Um, the only other negative I had written down for him is that I think he struggles to get off of blocks as a run defender, which not super important for an outside corner, much more important for a slot corner, which he's obviously not going to be. So uh, I'm a big fan of Joey Porter Jr. as well. Yeah, and I fully it, agree. Yeah, I fully appreciate it. And let me just be clear. I have him number four here on my rankings, but he's number 16 on my big board overall. Uh, I think this guy has a true ceiling as a number one corner at the next level. I agree, Shane. I think he's a physical press man corner. Uh, his movement skills, his length, his ability to jam receivers at the line down the field is just elite. And um, I, I I, think this has I, this guy has – some of the highest overall ceilings of any corner in this class, if it comes together. And I agree for my negatives, a little grabby. <laughs> I, I I think the reason he's number one for me is because I think he does have the highest ceiling. Yeah, I can, I, I can see that. So, okay, let's move on here to dives. Your number length, three. I think he's got the highest. Oh. I'm back. Uh, well, I think. it froze for a second. I thought you were done. Sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, that was weird. Uh, I was, per it was, yeah, it was my bad. I don't know if you want to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it up to Rachel. Rachel yeah, makes yeah. us all sound better. So we'll leave that one up to her. So uh, we'll roll on to uh, Dibes number three here. And man, this opens up a whole, well, we'll just do your number three, Dibes, is Brian Branch. Uh, he's number five for Mark. He is number six for me. Uh, we're talking about the safety out of Alabama. So why don't you talk to us about him? Uh, you can add Brian Branch into the basket of guys that I refuse to get emotionally invested in because I know Howie Roseman will never touch him in round one. I'm just not going there. Uh, but I love this guy. Uh, versatility is this guy's number one calling card. Excellent read and reactability. He can blitz the quarterback. He can make plays on the ball. Uh, I think he's a plug-and-play starter in the NFL from day one. He can thrive at safety. He can thrive at corner if you, need, if you need him. He can match up well against size. He's got really good burst and transition quickness to uh, play sticky coverage. Um, he had just some of the best eyes, tackling ability, blitzing capability, uh, versatility to just be a true high-end starter from day one. This guy is a sure thing that should be available for the Eagles at number 10. This is one of my favorite scenarios for the Eagles, actually, to kind of trade back a little bit. And look at uh, so Brian Branch, man, uh, he struggled a little bit uh, against wide receivers in you know vertical routes. Uh, but I just think this guy could be potentially a defensive rookie of the year candidate uh, if he's in the right system. Uh, that versatility paired with uh, his just overall talent makes him just one of the most fun prospects in this draft. Uh, I think he can play everywhere. I think he can play. Uh, all across the secondary, he could even play a little bit of linebacker uh, if the occasion calls for it. He can play in his own scheme. He can play, you know, just destroy those underneath routes. 
He can play in man coverage and uh, due to his elite route uh, recognition skills. So, and I think he can play in the slot. I don't like that. I think when you look at the Eagles needs at the safety position with possibly Tonsi Gardner Johnson on the move, we'll see. Uh, but he just checks off so many boxes. Um, I love Brian branch. Yeah. So Brian, he, like you said, he's really versatile he played about 21% of his snaps in the box this year. He actually played 76% of his snaps in the slot, and then he took some snaps deep, but mostly he was up around the line of scrimmage. Um, Those guys, though, that are positionless, and Mark and I have a bad habit of falling in love with those guys. Jeremiah Wusakoromoa comes to mind, other guys like that, and we see them as these positionless players that you can do a lot of things with, and ultimately those guys tend to fall on draft night, it seems like, and I think the reason that happens is because if you're going to build your scheme around a guy that can move around, you have to have a backup for that guy to build your system around him. Or if he's gone, it all falls apart. And if you don't have two of them, you fail to fully utilize them. And so I I do think he's a little bit of a tweener. He doesn't have the elite speed and that makes him sort of struggle in man coverage against slot receivers. I think he does a really good job like carrying tight ends up the seam He's a really good blitzer uh, in the right system. I think Brian Branch is going to be a, an incredibly impactful player, but it needs to go somewhere to a defensive coordinator that's going to use him creative, create creatively. I got it out finally. Need to use him creatively uh, because I don't think this is a guy you just put deep the whole time. I don't think you just put him in the slot the whole time. He's a guy that you need to move around, uh, and that makes him a position-specific fit, I think. So that's why he's a little further down my board. You're really fun guy to watch, though. I'd argue JOK has been really good. Jeremiah <laughs> has been really good in the NFL. He has, but you and I both had a mid, I think mid first round grades on him, and oh, he dropped I, to I mid second. Ten, yeah, yeah I was, dropped I was, to I was mid Mark's second guy. round. So I was Mark's guy, man. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like JOK has been good. It just takes going in the right system, and a lot of times teams are hesitant to pull the trigger agree, on no, those tweener totally guys. Agree. Yeah. I totally agree there. I was just, I was just like the way it came out. I was like, wait a second, let me defend the honor of my guy. I was, like, I'm not gonna, I, was I was just, I was just clarifying for the listeners and myself and my, my heart. Um, but my, my NFL comp for Brian branch, and this is one I've stolen. Um, this is one you'll see everywhere. And I think you guys will love this. If you haven't seen it already, he's Jalen Petrie. He's the same player. I, I think they're like a carbon copy of each other. Am I wrong? No, I, I love Jalen Petrie last year, man. He was one of my, one of my guys too. Yeah. yeah, so it makes sense. Dodge is a type. Yeah, <laughs> all right. All well, that brings us to uh, Mark and I's number four. We've already talked about dives. Uh, I will start off here with my number four. It is Cam Smith. Uh, Mark has him at number eight. Dives has him at number uh, number nine. So we're starting to spread out here a little bit and uh, how we have some of these guys ranked. But Uh, Cam Smith, cornerback out of South Carolina. He is a four-star prospect, a three-year contributor for South Carolina who had 91 tackles, uh, three and a half tackles for loss, six interceptions, and 18 pass breakups across his career. He is 6'1", 180 pounds, which is eighth percentile for weight. Uh, We'll get to that. He ran a 4-4-3-40 at the combine, 38-inch vertical, 11-2 broad jump, and that all coalesced into a 9.57 relative athletic score. In 2022, he had 27 tackles, one interception, 
five pass breakups. I think uh, Cam Smith is really physical at the line of scrimmage and press coverage. Similarly to what I talked about with Joey Porter Jr., although less impactful because of the arm length and things, but he does a really good job of pressing and then transitioning into that trail technique. Unlike Joey Porter Jr., though, I think he's got really good spatial awareness and off coverage. He, he knows where his man and the quarterback are at all times. He does a good job driving down uh, on passes from off coverage. In 2021, he played outside, but then he moved between outside and the slot in 2022. He took 357 snaps at the boundary, 196 in the slot. So there's some versatility there. He is a ball hawk. He was targeted 94 times in his career, and 22 of those were intercepted or broken up. And so he loves to go make a play on the ball. Uh, he's a very willing tackler. He's not afraid to stick his nose in the fan. Uh, unfortunately, his technique's not the best. In fact, I would say it's probably flat out bad. He tries to cut the feet instead of wrapping up a lot of times. Uh, he had a 16.3% missed tackle rate. And so he's going to have to clean that up, uh, especially if he's going to play in the slot. You've got to be a better tackler than that. I think he takes bad angles in the run game at times and uh, take a drink, but he's grabby downfield, especially against double moves. So he's definitely grabby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I see Cam Smith. I think he's scheme diverse. I think you can put him in a man or a zone scheme. And I think he could play slot. I think he could play at the safety position, perhaps a little bit down the road. I think he could play at the boundary. I think he's pretty versatile for you wherever you want to use him there. So uh, he is number four on my board. Uh, Mark, he's eight for you. Uh, you chimed in that he's really grabby. What else do you notice about him? I'm just like, like you said, like it, it, it becomes an issue of, is he a good enough tackler to be in the slot? And is he, or is he big enough to be on the outside? And, and that's what it's going to be. I think he's probably going to be fine to be on the outside. I just don't think he's an exceptional prospect. Like I, I think he's pretty solid. I think he's pretty safe. I think he'll be a solid pro. Um, I, I do worry if he's not good on the outside though. Cause I don't think he's strictly a slot guy either. Like I, I don't know. I, I just, I'd struggle figuring out exactly what he is. Um, I, the NFL comp I made was Paulson Adebo because um, that's just that's pretty much a size uh, athletic profile comp, though. I loved Paulson Adebo back in the day. <laughs> well, I, how long ago was that? Now that was that's three years. Think three years ago. Mm-hmm. Probably around that. Yeah. Yeah. I stood on the table for the Eagles to draft Paulson Adebo in the second round. He so, wasn't one of my guys. Yeah. Okay, uh, Dives, uh, Cam Smith was number nine for you. Anything that you want to kick in about him? I Just to kind of chime in on the depth at this uh, group here, um, Cam Smith is my number 24 prospect on my big board. So he's number nine here, but, that, but just to be clear, I, I love Cam Smith. Um, I think he's a tools guy. Uh, his physicals, his measurables are, are really, really good. And I think a team's going to fall in love with that upside and kind of rein in that technique and uh, grow him uh, into, like Mark said, either in the slot or on the outside. It's kind of up to whatever team drafts him. And uh, in the right system, I think he could really thrive. Uh, Cam Smith is absolutely a first-rounder. I have him 31. Uh, I don't have a first-round grade on him. Um, I have a second-round grade on him. But technically, if you take a look at my top 31, those are the 31 players I say – should be drafted in the first round because since there is 31 picks, but I didn't give him a first round grade just because of some of the concerns I mentioned, but like, you know, he's 31st in the draft. That's not like, it's not like I hate him or anything. Number eight 
uh, transfers to 31st, not very often. But like you said, number nine is 24th for you. Yeah. Uh, it just speaks to how, how deep uh, the depth is at DB, like you said. Ooh. Yeah, we're going to see that again uh, whenever we do edge rushers later on. <laughs> yeah, think, big time. So. Big time. So. Okay, uh, that leaves us with Mark's number four. Uh, it is Emmanuel Forbes. He's the cornerback from Mississippi State. He's fifth on Dibes' board. He's eighth on mine. Uh, so, Mark, take it away, Emmanuel Forbes. I think this is my number one riser from when the season ended to now, uh, which is funny because he didn't have a great combine in terms of the the weigh-in aspect of it, but he was great everywhere else in terms of that combine. But I've just had more of a chance to to dive deep into the tape and and research this guy more and man, I think he's so good on film. Like, I think he's so talented. Um, this is, like you said, you were standing on the table for Paulson and Debo a few years or a few years ago. I feel like he's going to be available at 30 and then again in the second round potentially. And I'm just going to be like, what are we doing? Like, this guy is going to be a stud. Um, even though I do understand the concerns, uh, obviously 166 pounds, six, and a, six foot and a half, uh, still a 932 RIS given that information, which tells you he knocked it out of the park athletically wow. an elite 40 yard dash at four, three, five, just as elite in the 10 to 20 yard splits. Like I said before, pterodactyl sauce Gardner, like arms on Emmanuel Forbes um, tested well, especially for his size in the vertical and the broad jump three year full-time starter at the highest level in the sec 2022 PFF grade of 87.2. You're not seeing a lot of 87.2 PFF grades if you look among these top guys. I mean, Porter, I laid it out for. Witherspoon and Gonzalez, I, I don't know if they were even that high. But a coverage grade of 89.3. He's got the best ball skills in this class, in my opinion, and I don't think it's particularly close. Um, over the course of his three-year career, he came down with 13 interceptions. That's four more than the next closest Power 5 cornerback since 2020. He had six interceptions in 2022. He made Will Levis look like an absolute buffoon on a pick six on a screen this year that he read perfectly. He has the most pick sixes in college football history. When you throw a 50-50 ball against Forbes, it's not reception or incomplete. It's reception or interception. That's how dangerous Forbes is. They played very multiple as a defense, so he played a lot of off-zone coverage. But the most exciting thing about him as a prospect is how great he looked in press man. And I know that that raises some issues with his size, but he did this in the SEC at the highest level against some of the best receivers in the world and some of the most athletic receivers in the country. Uh, I mean, outside of the size, it's hard to find a lot of issues or worries on tape. He, he's a really good player, and, and it pops on film. All the concerns revert back to the weight. He's not going to be great in the run game at the next level, maybe even good in the run game at the next level due to the size, but he hits like he's got a Napoleon complex and he tries to prove that wrong. <laughs> it seems like every game, he definitely has that dog in him. Uh, the NFL comps that I'll throw out there just because they're kind of turnover hunters as well. Stravon Diggs and Marcus Peters. I think that he kind of falls right in line with that. Maybe you throw a Sante out there too, but he falls right in line with that playmaking corner put 10 pounds on and i think we're talking about a guy who has just as high of upside as anyone in this class yeah the the concerns with forbes they it's all about his weight 166 166 pounds is zeroth percentile 
And then, by the way, he's got 92nd percentile wingspan. Like, how does that even happen? 92nd percentile wingspan, zero th- for weight. Uh, he allowed so a 20% lanky. completion rate in man coverage, which was the best in college football. And he snagged three interceptions this year out of man coverage. Uh, he played wide receiver in high school, and it shows. Like, his ball skills are top notch. Outs- well, I'll. I'll talk about the the only other concern I see on tape is I thought he struggles to stay in phase from a trail technique at times as he transitions out of that press into a trail. I really liked him in off coverage a lot, off man coverage. I thought he did a really I thought that maximized his skill set, but only 12 players in the NFL last season. There were only 12 non-kickers and punters that are sub 180 pounds and zero of them are sub 170 pounds. And he's at 166. It, it that's the concern for me. Like, how is and he did it in the SEC, but how is he going to be able to handle the next level in the NFL? Just if if you didn't know the the stature concerns, he would be higher on my board. I think his tape warrants it, but he's such an outlier at that position. That's why he's down at number eight for me. I'm a little more concerned about that. I I just think his tape's the best in the class. So uh, while I'm I'm lowering him because of that size. He'd be number one for me if he was like 185 pounds instead of 166. Like that's how good I think Forbes is as a prospect. And, and the SEC thing is what I'll always come back to. And we had this argument about Devonte Smith when he was a, an outlier in terms of his weight. And my whole thing was he's doing it in the SEC. He's doing it at the highest level. And while Forbes isn't at Alabama, He's at Mississippi State, which isn't the highest level of the highest level, I guess you could say. He's playing the same guys, um, but he's not in the big games that Alabama was in with Devontae Smith. Um, I just, I'm choosing to think, you know, if that's going to work in the SEC against guys who are going to be in the NFL, I'm opting to to hope that that's going to transfer to the next level. And my other thing on it, and you kind of alluded to this, I can't remember who it was on. It was another height or a weight issue. It was Bryce Young. Um, And you were saying he was at Alabama. Like that's the weight they would have gotten him into, you know, the weight that you want him to be at the combine, but clearly that it just doesn't work. It's not going to happen with Bryce Young. I don't know if you could say that with Mississippi State. Like Mississippi State isn't this like powerhouse that's churning out draft prospects all the time. They're not a veteran of this system in a way that an Alabama, Clemson, or some of these schools are. Maybe you get this guy in your in your in your building and you get him to one seventy five, you know, nine pounds. I gained 15 pounds in the last year, you know, well, let's get Forbes on the Mark Henry diet. <laughs> uh, what is that? Is that ice cream sandwiches? I'm a big ice cream guy. You were right. You were, cl- I'm not a big ice cream sandwiches guy, but you were right on with the dairy products. You were yeah. right on with the ice cream. You just got to take the ice cream, put it between a couple of homemade cookies. You, we can get Emmanuel Forbes up to 185. Oh, let's do it. That's our mission. Emmanuel Forbes. Come on, man. Just, just gain 10 pounds. Not even eight, 185. I'm not even asking for 185. Just get to like 178. Just like, <laughs> like you know, just give me like 12 pounds. Come on, Emmanuel. All right. That dives. He was your number five. Is there anything that you wanted to mention about him before we move on to the next set of guys? No, not really. You guys crushed it. Like if you look at like 90% of my mock drafts and I've done a lot of Eagles mock drafts, you'll see Emmanuel Forbes at number 30. Pretty consistently I, I love Emmanuel Forbes the like Mark said the ball hawk of this draft just a phenomenal catch radius uh just times his break pass breakups perfectly uh like you guys said you know dominated man coverage 
has an aggressive mindset, lots of experience in the SEC, lots of experience uh, playing in different coverage schemes, uh, thrives in press coverage. I, I also has the versatility to play a little zone. So um, there's not much to not like about Emmanuel Forbes. Um, and I, even with the Bradbury signing, I'm still pounding the table for Emmanuel Forbes at number 30. All right. Uh, let's roll on here to my number five. I'm the only one who hasn't revealed number five yet. It is Deontay Banks. He clocks in at seventh for Dibes. He is ninth for Mark. Uh, so Deontay Banks, cornerback out of Maryland. He started eight games as a true freshman. Then he played three games in the shortened 2022, or excuse me, the shortened 2020 season. And then he only played two games in 2021. He had a shoulder injury, but he put it all together in 2022. Had 38 tackles, one interception, eight pass breakups. Uh, he is six foot tall, 197 pounds, uh, just over 22 years old. He ran a 4.3540 at the combine, which was 92nd percentile. A 42 inch vertical, which was 97th percentile. His broad jump was 98th percentile. He had a 9.99 relative athletic score. Was a huge winner of the combine. He has a very physical play style. He loves to get his hands on receivers at the line of scrimmage and disrupt timings, whether that be from a uh, press man coverage or even just press zone coverage. And then he has elite athleticism, as I mentioned with the jumps and the sprints and the relative athletic score. Uh, he's just an elite athlete. He's so fluid and he's strong at the catch point. He does well to contest routes. Uh, when he's in off coverage, he clicks and closes really well on underneath routes. And he's an outstanding tackler. He's got great technique in his tackling. So that's a concern sometimes with corners. It's not a concern with banks. However, he can be a little over aggressive at times. Uh, he really likes to go for a two-handed jam at the line of scrimmage. That's something that J.C. Horn also liked to do. Uh, throw that big two-handed punch at the line of scrimmage. That can be boom or bust. You can take a receiver out of the play or you can whiff and you can get beat. And you see instances of both on tape. So I would like to see him rein that in a little bit. He's grabby, but we say that about everybody. So uh, he, he's prone to biting on double moves. Again, that, that aggressiveness. And I think he struggles to play with his back to the ball. So he's really good in that initial press. As he goes into a trail technique, his back's to the ball. He struggles. Uh, in those instances. So he really likes to keep you locked up at the line of scrimmage. I think he fits in a press man or a press zone scheme. He's not somebody I would ask to play a lot of off coverage, although, although I do think that he can do it. So I think he's a pretty versatile guy. Uh, and he is my number five cornerback. Uh, Dives, you've got him at number seven. Mark, you have him at nine. Uh, Dives, what do you what do you see when you watch Banks? He's been a guy that I've been all over the place with up and down and up and down because you look at his like physicals, you look at his measurables, um, great athleticism. Uh, he play, he's got great versatility. He's played on the left, he's played on the right, on the boundaries. He's played in press man, off man, zone coverage, you name it. And his level of athleticism and physicality uh, is outstanding. Negative wise, he looks so damn good on paper. Why is the ball production so bad? That's the like one thing I'm I keep going back to. So uh, he's only got two interceptions in 28 games. So clearly teams that like prioritize taking the ball away will probably want to look elsewhere. Um, but I, I do agree, Shane. Like I, th I think his physicality will allow him to kind of 
disrupt at the catch point against NFL wide receivers. But then you watch the tape, he rarely comes down with the football. So this is all projection. Um, and I agree, Shane, on my notes here, he can be over-aggressive. Deontay Banks is a really intriguing cornerback prospect. I do think he'll probably be more so um, late first round. Um, and some team will probably just roll the dice and hope they can coach him up just a little bit. All right. And Marky's number nine for you. Uh, you said Cam Smith was at 31. So Banks is in your second round. Uh, what do you see when you put him on? Yeah. I mean, the reason he's up here is because of those measurables and because of the combine and because of how athletic he is, not necessarily on field product, I'd say not necessarily a, a lot of the things that are on tape. Um, I think that there's a lot of, you know, the person I'll compare him to is Marshawn Lattimore, which if you're hearing me say that, you're like, how is he number nine? The difference is what Dives kind of mentioned. Marshawn Lattimore had four, had four picks in his only season at Ohio State um, in college, and he showed a lot of ball production in that way. He's an exact athletic profile match to Marshawn Lattimore, though, by the way, who Marshawn Lattimore went what? I know he went top 10, right? Marshawn Lattimore, he went top. I think he, he was like ninth in, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I know he went very high. And a big part of the reason he went high was mostly that athletic profile because he only had that one year playing in college at Ohio State. He came out early um, and, and he got propped up all the way up the board because of that athletic profile. But he showed a little bit more on tape than Banks did. I think that a lot of the things that Banks did at the combine will probably push Banks up towards the back end of the first round, maybe even the middle of the first round. But I don't think because of that lack of some of the on-field stuff you'd like to see, he won't reach that that top 10 status that Lattimore did or kind of compete with the top three corners in this class. Lattimore went 11th, by the way, not 9th. I had it. Oh, wow. I knew it was one off of 10. I just went the wrong direction. So. All right. Well, that takes us through our top five cornerbacks. We're going to throw to a quick break, and we will be right back uh, to cover numbers six through ten. And we are back here on the BGN Draft Show, breaking down our top ten cornerback prospects. We're through the top five. Uh, we're on to number six. My number six has already been revealed. It was Brian Branch. Uh, but we're going to talk about some other guys here. Mark. You have Antonio Johnson as your number six. He's number nine for me. He is outside of Dibes' top ten. So why don't you lead us off and tell us about Johnson? Yeah, Johnson's a player I really liked all year. Um, and, and, you know, diving deep has only made me like him more. Uh, 6'2", 200. Only a 5'2", RAS. Definitely a problematic combine for him. Um, a 4'5", 240-yard dash, which is pretty solid for his safety. 81.6 PFF grade in 2022, 87.4 PFF grade in 2021. Um, great in run defense, solid in coverage. Two-year starter, three-year contributor at Texas A&M. He was a high-level slot cornerback in his two seasons starting for Texas A&M. There's no reason to think that, that can't continue in the NFL if you wanted to use him in that way, I think. Um, but he, I, I think that a big part of why I'm high on him, and Dives or, or Shane kind of mentioned earlier, I have a tendency of falling for these guys who have that positional versatility and that flexibility at the next level. Um, I think he's definitely versatile. versatile. That's I made up a word, versatile. Um, I do think he's got the size and traits to be a true safety 
but he can play slot corner. He can even play like dime linebacker in some packages. He's super, super versatile, plays great against the run, masterful at defending screens, huge tackle radius, crazy burst. You'd like to see more plays on the ball, but you'll, you'd think you'll see more of that at safety because he was playing so much slot corner. I don't think he was really put in position to use ball skills or really even develop those. So that might be something you're developing at the next level. I don't know if that's lack of athleticism, but you'd think the length would help there, especially at the safety position. Um, I think the NFL comp is a guy who just got paid a lot of money by the Atlanta Falcons, I believe, Jesse Bates. Um, pretty exact athletic comp there. Uh, would need to improve his ball skills to live up to that Bates comp. But I, I think that a lot of that I'm projecting because I just don't think he was put in, put in position to succeed there in terms of making plays in terms of turnovers. Yeah, he's really versatile. Uh, in 2022, he took 110 snaps deep at safety, 128 in the box, 280 in the slot, and then 49 on the line of scrimmage. So he was everywhere, which is both a positive and a negative, like we talked about earlier. Where is he going to play in the NFL, and what's your plan You know, if he's not there? Um, I, I think he's a he's a physical player. Like He's at his best coming downhill in the run game. Like he, He's a thumper at the line of scrimmage. He's outstanding tackler. He knocks running backs backwards at the point of contact. And he can carry tight ends up the seam. He can, he can cover running backs in the flat. But I think primarily he's a zone defender when, he, when he's in coverage. And in zone, he does a fine job recognizing route coverages. He identifies threats to his zone. Uh, the ball skills is a negative. I think he's, he's a little slow to like flip his hips and change directions. That's why I'm not sure I would want him playing deep. I, I kind of like him a little more in the slot or in the box as more of a box hybrid safety type of player. Uh, but I think he can take his reps deep as well. So I, I like that versatility. Uh, he's a fun player to watch. I love watching him come down and hit guys in the run game. Okay, uh, that is Antonio Johnson. Now we'll talk. Dibes has at number six, Keely Ringo, the cornerback out of Georgia. He is seven for both Mark and I. Uh, we've got some interesting thoughts on Ringo, but Dibes, you lead us off and we'll circle back. Uh, just elite athleticism, quick trigger, strong ball skills, really good length. Um, he can blitz. He can you know set the edge. Uh, I think he has the ceiling of a three down starter, <laughs> whether that's at cornerback or safety. I think that's a, a positive. Uh, but great size, six foot two, 205 pounds. He had a great 40 yard dash time at 436. That was fifth best among defensive backs at the combine. He's a big time playmaker. Um, and I, I think, you know, this guy is, you know, kind of an interesting point of discussion when it comes to his ceiling and upside because he's pretty polarizing in many respects. Um, I think he's a first round talent. I think he's extremely raw, uh, clearly less refined than a lot of these a lot of these corners uh, on these on these big boards here. Um, I think he can get uh, beat up a little bit with with really good route running. I think we are overreacting to getting destroyed by Marvin Harrison Jr., who could you know at this point next year could be one of the best wider college wide receivers of all time. He's going to be a top five pick. That's how good Marvin Harrison Jr. is. Um, so I think. You know, he needs to build his technique. Um, I think he has all the physical traits. Um, I think he's an absolute home run pick, uh, first rounder uh, in my book. 
Uh, and I really like Keely Ringo. I think he has everything you look for uh, when it comes to tools, when it comes to physical measurables, things like that. I just, I, I think, I think Keely Ringo gets too much hate around most draft circles. Yeah. Mark, what about you? What What are your it, thoughts on Ringo? It feels like people are coming back to the right side. I, I feel like there was a bit there before the combine where like PFF had Ringo in like the eighties or wherever they had him, And I saw like there was another site that had him super low. I feel like you're looking at mock drafts. You're seeing him in the first round again. You're seeing him kind of thrown back into the names of, of people who could go uh, among this top five to 10 of corners. So um, he was a guy who I had a little bit higher, probably coming into the season. Like I probably had him as the number one DB coming into his college football season. Um, wasn't his best year probably, but I think a lot of the concerns are definitely being exaggerated and a lot of the Marvin Harrison Jr. stuff. Yeah, he's just incredible. So um, I think something that's interesting with Ringo, and I think Shane's going to touch on this a lot with him being potentially a safety. Um, I think that that's something McShay's talked about a lot as well. And that's something I know McShay definitely thinks he is a safety at the next level. I think he can be both. Like, why not both? That, that I don't know what that, that, that gift for me, whatever. I think he can kind of play a little bit of corner, play a little bit of safety. It depends on what you want him. I think he's an oversized Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Like, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson can switch back and forth from slot corner to safety. I think Keely Ringo could switch back and forth from outside corner to safety. Um, I know that I tweeted that out recently, and I had some people being like, did you watch him in, against Ohio State? He's not an outside corner. Again. Marvin Harrison Jr. is very good. And a lot of that, I've actually seen a lot of people point out reason, a lot of people smarter than me, point out reasons why a lot of that stuff wasn't necessarily Keely Ringo's yes, fault. Yes, thank you. Yes. A lot, I mean, yeah, that was the, the, the Ohio State offensive line dominating and leaving Keely Ringo out to dry. You know, that, that was a big piece of that. But thank you, Mark, for pointing that out. Yeah, I, as I watched Ringo, I was like, I don't know. I think he's a safety and that feels like so arrogant to look at the best defense in college football and say, I think you missed it with this guy that I messaged Mark and Dibes and I was like, Hey, am I crazy? Or is Ringo maybe a safety? And then Mark was like, yeah, I, I kind of think so too. And I, I just, you just watch him and he's really good at high pointing the ball. He, he's really good in zone coverage. Like he hits his landmarks he relates to high-low concepts well. He keeps his eyes on the quarterback. And I think he struggles to get his head around when he's playing with his back to the ball. He only got a hand on 10% of the passes that targeted him when he was in man coverage. And I look at those things, and it just make, it just screams safety to me. And I'm not saying he has to be a safety. Uh, I think he can play outside corner. But I do wonder what his career would have looked like if he had been a safety for a few years in college rather than being a cornerback and you know maybe you put him outside in like a cover three zone scheme where your uh you know your corners have that deep zone responsibility um maybe you transfer him to safety maybe you just keep him at corner but i think there's a lot of tools that he has and yeah there's some technique things that you can work on overall though i think he's a really athletic player at 9.61 relative athletic score uh, really elite speed. He has a track background in high school. And I just think the sky's sort of the limit for him. If he can clean a few things up and in the right situation, I think Ringo has the chance to be a star. And so I do think people overreacted a lot to the Ohio state game. Uh, 
keep him at corner, move him to safety. I think you could be happy uh, in either one of those scenarios with Ringo. There's probably some similarities to Daxton Hill from last year, who was kind of also one of those corner safety hybrids. Um, but yeah, I, you know, it's, it's funny. You mentioned the 40 time for Keely Ringo there. Four, three, six was a disappointment for Keely yeah, Ringo. I agree. Like, he was upset about it. Like, and people were expecting like four, two, five. Like there were people saying like, could we see a record? Like people were really excited for the Keely Ringo 40 time. I'm curious to see what it looks like at Georgia, you know, with, with how combine, uh, with how pro day 40s are inflated he might run like a three nine um but <laughs> yeah, i uh i think that he will probably be faster at the pro day all right let's move on here to dives number eight i think it's funny that our number nines are all revealed but we're still missing a number eight here <laughs> dives has sydney brown as his number eight uh, he is number 11 for me so he's just outside my top 10 first guy out so dives talk to us about sydney brown Yes, talk about position versatility because that's what Sidney Brown brings here. Great instincts, big-time production. I think he's underrated. Uh, he's been one of the true risers of the draft process, dominated at the Senior Bowl, had a really good day at the Combine, uh, polished cover skills, really good speed, physical at the stem, really good balance, really great short area balance or short area quickness. Um, at Illinois, he was extremely versatile. He, he was playing – on multiple levels, within multiple schemes. Um, this is a guy that could do a little bit of everything uh, really, really well. Uh, you look at the last two seasons, uh, he played primarily as a box safety, 877 snaps in the box. Uh, he's, again, great at coverage. He can match up with tight ends. Uh, he's physical enough to play in the slot. He can play deep safety. Um, he's also a really good on special teams. From day one, he can be a core special teamer, uh, which bodes well. Uh, from, you know, for his rookie season just to get on the football field. I, I think he's just one of those, like, versatile chess pieces for any defensive coordinator uh, at the NFL level. Um, he's not a good tackler. That's the thing he needs to clean up. He missed 14 tackles last year. That's not good enough. He needs to finish better. Everybody knows that. Um, and, you know, I if you watch the tape, he's de he definitely has gotten trucked a little bit by running backs uh, in college. but um, he doesn't shy away from contact, so I, I can't. So yeah, he's had some issues with you know that, but he doesn't shy away, and he's he's willing in the run game. So uh, for me, I think Sidney Brown's criminally slept on. I, I love Sidney Brown, and talk about an Eagles fit, perfect Eagles fit. Uh, like a Chauncey Gardner Johnson can play out by the line, can play back, um, can play all over the place, whatever you need him to do. Uh, I think Howie Roseman has this guy circled on his big board for sure. Yeah, I mean, his absolute floor is being a really good special teamer who plays in sub packages, and you could do a lot worse uh, taking a flyer on a defensive back. I really like Sidney Brown. I thought he was a fun watch. Okay, let's go to our number 10. We all ironically <laughs> have the same awesome. number 10. It's the only place <laughs> in this entire top 10 that we were all the same. Uh, and it is so Clark funny. Phillips, the third. And so, uh, I'll lead us off here with Clark Phillips, third out of Utah. He was a 31 game starter with nine career interceptions, four of which he returned for touchdowns 2022. He was the PAC 12 defensive player of the year. Uh, this guy is small five, nine, 184 pounds. That is seventh percentile for height, 16th percentile for weight. He is first percentile 
for arm length. So he's got the little T-Rex arms. Uh, he ran a 4-5-1 40-yard dash, which is 44th percentile, but his 10-yard split was a 1-5-1, which is 74th. So uh, that's good. He's strong. Uh, he had 18 reps on the bench. When I watch his strengths, he, he's a twitched up explosive athlete. He he, move, he gets where he's going fast. Uh, he mirrors routes well. And I think he's really fluid in his transitions throughout routes and, and just his lateral agility mobility. And then he's got exceptional ball skills. He's disruptive at the catch point when he's not able to make a play on the ball. But even with his little tiny T-Rex arms, he's able to make a play on a lot of balls. Um your weaknesses, he he is a willing tackler. He just struggles due to his size and his frame. Uh, teams targeted him in the running game, and he struggled to get off blocks and bring down ball carriers, and that's going to be something that he's going to have to work on. Is It's not so much play strength. I mean, he's strong. It's just his frame. He's going to have to be get better at deconstructing those blocks. Um, he played 374 snaps on the boundary, and then he played 214 in the slot, and his profile makes him a slot corner, but his run defense, it makes him a boundary corner. And so he's either going to have to improve his run defense to stick in the slot, or you're going to be playing a guy with 29 and an eighth inch arms out at the boundary, which is also not an area that you want to live in. So he's a little bit of a tweener uh, in that regard. That's why he's at number 10 on my board. I thought his film was good. It's one of those things making that projection to the next level uh, where it gets a little troublesome, though, for me. Yeah, I mean, you you said it all there, but it's the tape is so good. The 2022 tape is so good. I probably had him like probably CB8 earlier on in the process. Um, I had him much higher up on my board. It's just it's hard to justify um, going forward. You know, he is a bit of a tweener. I can't imagine his size and arm length working on the outside. And then is he even able to really utilize the things that make him worthwhile in the slot i I don't know so that's going to be something that's interesting to to watch for a lot of mike hilton in his game mike hilton is someone he should probably try to to model his game after he's had a pretty decently long career if i'm not mistaken i think he's been playing for like like six or seven you know six years i think or, or so um he's turned himself into an nfl corner at that size with with similar size and similar arm length that's something that that Clark Phillips is going to have to do. And maybe he's able to to prove us wrong because of his ball skills and because of just he's got all of the all of the, the things you want to see on tape. It's just maybe he can prove us wrong. Uh, that's what you gotta hope for at the next level. The thing that I like I just want to point out is like this is an ultra competitive man. Like uh yeah. just do not discount Clark Phillips the third because uh he like Mark said has great ball skills. Um, he's always in on the play. Um, I do think he'll probably be best in the slot at the next level. Um, but he just plays with like a combative nature uh, that I, I have to give him credit for. Uh, I like him. I like him a lot. And I, again, I, I think he could be a first round pick. And um, yeah, I, I there, the size is going to be the issue, but uh, he, he has, um, there's uh, an NFL readiness about his game that I think he could just fill in the slot and surprise a lot of people. All right. It, it, it makes, makes my heart sad as a five, seven guy that (laughs) 
runs like a six a six two forty to be talking about guys' height and that that being a big red flag for them. But it's where we're at. There's there's a reason that I talk about the NFL and I don't play there. So uh, that is going to round out our top ten cornerbacks here. Uh, we've got a graphic I'll throw up online later for those of you that maybe aren't watching on YouTube. If you're listening, you can go check it out. But before we get out of here, uh, Dives, Mark, we watched a lot of guys. Did you guys have any honorable mentions, guys that just missed your top 10 that you want to give a shout out to? Uh, Dives, I'll throw it to you first. Uh, the guy I really want to throw out a shout out for is Chris Smith out of Georgia. Um, you know, just the Swiss Army knife of the defensive backs in this draft, man. He's incredibly good at all things, just like my other kind of safeties in this class. Smith's versatility and leadership are the standouts here. He's He was a captain and a key on-field communicator for Georgia's two historically dominant defenses. Uh, Georgia used him in multiple ways. Uh, they played him deep. They moved him in the box. They played him in the slot. He can cover ground really quickly. Um, his physicality and willingness as a tackler was also uh, really impressive, especially at, at the line of scrimmage. He reads route combinations in front of him, read and react just in a flash. Um, he's got some missed tackles on film for sure. And he's not an elite ball hawk, um, but he can contribute on special teams from day one. He's not a turnover creator like, like an Emmanuel Forbes, but I think this is a, a high floor safety prospect that should be drafted on day two. He dominated the senior bowl um, and he's just always around the football. Christopher Smith, man, is one to watch. All right. Mark, did you have any honorable mentions? Anybody that you want to shout out? Yeah, there's a there's a lot of corners I could throw out there, like a Tyreek Stevenson or other names, but uh and these guys there's probably guys I have ranked higher than this guy, but I wanted to highlight my num my clear number three safety. Um, because you know, since we're doing top ten DBs, it almost feels like the safeties get lost in the shuffle a little bit because corners are a little bit more valuable. But I think Jordan Battle is the clear number three safety in this class for me out of Alabama. 6'1", 210, 899 RAS, long arms, great in the 40, even better in the 10 and 20-yard splits. Four-year starter under Saban at Alabama with tremendous athleticism. Sign me up. That's all you need to tell me. There's a couple things right there. He offers the side speed and pedigree to become a starter early in the NFL uh, career at the next level. Not a fantastic tackler, but makes the plays in front of him. Run support consistency diminishes away from the line. He's not great at reading open field cuts, but he's got the physical and mental makeup that you want in a safety and in a leader of your defense. Versatility to cover the slot and support versus to the run in the box. He moves fluidly in coverage, transitions with good balance, uh, 81 PFF grade at the highest level of the highest level of the SEC, returned three of his six career interceptions for touchdowns. Doesn't mean much, but it's a fun stat. Um, and his NFL comp, I would say, is Justin Reed. I'll, wait, right. I want to just throw this out there. I am shocked Mark didn't go with J.L. Skinner there out of Boise State, man. If you love Antonio Johnson – JL Skinner is like six foot four, 220 pounds, moves like a linebacker. <laughs> he's he's right after this. Okay. I, I'm always I'm always partial to Nick Saban D backs. I mean, we, we can go back to last year okay. and talk about how I had Josh Job ranked like 98th. So, like, yeah, I mean, I, I always fall in love with, with Alabama D backs, and I think Saban can really coach him up, especially at the safety position. I, I think Alabama safeties have had a pretty pretty strong track record and I just love watching Jordan battle on film. I think battles, I think battles film 
is so much better than Skinner's, but Skinner has those things that I absolutely love and fall for all the time um, in terms of the measurables at safety. So um, that's definitely someone I have to probably dive into. Doesn't he have a, there's an injury concern with him, right? Did he, did he get hurt at the combine? Am I thinking of the right guy or is that Jair Brown from Penn state? I don't remember off the top of my head. I don't, I think it was Jair, uh, Jair, Jair Brown did get hurt at the combine. I think might be both of them for all I know. I, I don't know. I thought I might've heard something like that with Skinner. He might've had an injury issue. I, I don't know, but um, yeah, I definitely am interested in Skinner as well. Tyreek Stevenson, like I said, too, um, I comped him to New York Giants, James Bradbury, not quite Eagles, James Bradbury, but New York Giants, James Bradbury, not quite Eagles for the next three years, James Bradbury. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. All right. Uh, for my honorable mention, I'm going to shout out Julius Brents uh, from Kansas State. Uh, I, I just loved watching this guy. He's 6'3", 198 pounds. Like, go to your go to mock draftable and look up Julius Brent's spider chart. It's just a shaded in circle. He's 96th percentile height, 99th percentile wingspan, 98 arm length, 83rd hand size, 96th vertical, 99th broad jump, 98th three cone drill. He had a 9.82 relative athletic score. He's just a freak athlete. He had 45 tackles. Uh, three and a half tackles for loss, four interceptions, and four passes defensed this year. He's just a big physical corner who excels coming downhill against the run, uh, against underneath passing concepts, and he likes to play from off alignments. That's where he's used best. Um, he uses his length well when he is asked to press to disrupt releases, but I think you primarily want him in off coverage where he does a really good job reading route concepts from his zone alignments and he reacts appropriately. Like he carries the guys where he's supposed to, he keys off the quarterbacks. Um, I will say at times, I think he gets a little tunnel visioned on the quarterback and he loses receivers, but uh, not often, but you do see it. Uh, I also think he's a little slow to flip his hips when he carries vertical routes. Like he gives up separation while he's transitioning that he doesn't have the speed to make up is four five three forty. So he's not elite burner speed, uh, but his athletic profile is elite almost everywhere else. I think Brent's fits well as a zone corner with here. I'm going to say it again, but potential safety versatility. I think he could play well at safety, although that's a major projection. He only played five snaps deep in his career. So would be a, would be a projection, but when you're talking about, uh, third round or day three, I just want to bet on athletes with upside. And I think Julius Brents is one of those guys. I think he's probably a late third round or early day three pick. And for that, uh, I would love this guy on my football team. So, all right, there we have it. That is going to wrap up our defensive back ranking show. We ranked our top 10. We combined it together because there's so much crossover between safeties and slot corners and we didn't want to just do cornerbacks and talk about how all these guys should play safety. So uh, that is it. Our top 10 cornerbacks. We'll throw this graphic up uh, in case you're not watching on YouTube so you can check it out at your own convenience. Uh, and that's going to about do it. We will be back next week. We're going to continue breaking down position groups for you guys. We're going to get some mock drafts going again uh, to get you guys everything that you need to know to get fully prepared for your uh, watch parties, whatever you do for draft night, we want you to be the smartest guy or girl in the room. So I hope you guys have enjoyed this so far. We're only about halfway done. We got a lot of positions to go and we're going to keep grinding the tape, bringing you guys episodes every week. So 
Uh, be sure you click that subscribe button, turn on notifications so you don't miss our show. And until next time, go birds.